Well, good morning. How are we? We doing good? Good. Who said great? Thanks, Luke. Oh, yeah, he's taking over for me. He's great. Awesome. Well, we're excited to be here with this morning. I'm honored to be able to bring you the Word of God. Um, as many as you know, this is my last Sunday morning here at Alpharetta. The Lord is booed. What the heck's wrong with you? I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, we're excited what the Lord is going to do. We'll get into it a little bit. Um, but first and foremost, I just really wanted to express my thankfulness and just our gratitude with my wife and uh, our family as well for um, Pastor Blake and, and Julie bringing us in and, and such a time as we were in and just they are amazing. Thank you, Pastor Blake. Julie, if you can hear my voice in the foyer, thank you so much. Um, it's just wonderful, just the timing of the events as well as uh, the transition from uh, where we were to where we came here at Alpharetta. The Lord was just in it. It was just awesome. Uh, my wife and I, we, we needed uh, Pastor Blake and, and Julie just in that season of the life we were in, uh, and he allowed me to come and just do what I love to do, to, to love on, on high schoolers and junior hires and, and, and teach them the Word of God. And, uh, you know, Eli and Asher, what a blessing they were as well, Pastor Blake's sons. And so, um, but I wanted to share as well, just, you know, today is a little bit different. We'll, we have the text this morning. We'll, we'll be in Luke 24. I'll share a little bit about my story of where my wife and I are now going, how it even came to be. Uh, but really, it's just I'm thankful for what the Lord has been doing and what he's working, uh, but just really the encouragement of this morning is, is for you to understand and to hold on to and continue to listen is that, is that God speaks, is that God is speaking. And we as children, as believers, we, are need, to be, we need to be listening, taking heed to the voice of the Lord. And to do so, we'll look at Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 35. Uh, but as you can turn there, and we'll get there in a few minutes, um, but as well as just something I learned at my time here at Alpharetta, as I, as I was teaching the high school students here on Sunday night with the junior hires as well, is, is so much more dependence upon the Holy Spirit. You know, when you do ministry, it can become tactical, of how you do things, and, and you see things work here, so you want to repeat it, and then when they don't work, you're like, why aren't they working anymore? What's going on? And so really what you learn as in ministry and really practically for life as a believer is there's, there's dependence upon the Holy Spirit, especially when you're teaching the Word of God. Whether you're teaching your children, your children's children, your spouse as a husband, as a leader of the home, or, or, or grandchildren, or your cousins, or whatever it is, if you're opening the Word of God, it's saying, allowing the Spirit to move, allowing there to maybe be a pause between your words, listening to the voice of God, hearing from Him through His Word, and, and really that's what I was taught here at Alpharetta. As there's a temptation as you are preparing a study, as you are getting notes together, you know, what's going to get the, the crowd to laugh? What's going to get them to really listen in and hone in? What, how can I maybe get my notes in a way that's just going to make them really impressed upon maybe how Lincoln is a teacher? There's a temptation there. But then there's, there needs to be this complete and dependent reliance upon the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful for the Lord as he has taught me that here at Alpharetta, teaching the junior high and high schoolers, and then that, as that continues. But as well as Luke and, and Kate move into this position and to minister to your children and, and your friends of your children, be praying for them. Pray for the youth. Pray for the junior high and the high schoolers. All, all the chaos that is happening in the world. But know again that our battle isn't against flesh and blood. Our battle is against Satan. 
There, there's a spiritual realm that we may not see, we don't see. That even this morning and this week, as I was preparing for the study, there was this thought of, man, I don't want to do this right now. I'm, I'm moving to California. I got so much to pack. I got so much cleaning to do. So there was this thought in the back of my head, like, I don't want to do this. And last night, I had to ask the Lord for, for forgiveness. I was like, Lord, what a blessing I have to bring your word, to teach your word. And so again, there's this there's, there's this quiet, still dependence upon the Holy Spirit as he's speaking to you to take heed to his voice. And, and don't just say, oh, that's a coincidence. Maybe, maybe I was supposed to go pray for that person in, in the line at TJ Maxx or Kroger or wherever you are. Just do it. Even if it's in your own, what's, what's, what's the wrong that's going to happen? And so, again, pray for, pray for Luke and, and Kate as they step into this role, but also, again, the junior high and high school. You'd be amazed. Maybe you wouldn't. Uh, but I'll exclude our youth, but when we were down on the mission trip a few weeks ago, uh, the, the amount of, of students who came up to me and just asked for prayer because they were having suicidal thoughts was immense. I, I was brought to shock where just the amount of darkness that is hovering and ruling in the hearts of, of junior high and high schoolers in the world, even those who walk into this building, and maybe even you as well, I pray that you would cast those out in Jesus' name. The authority in which you have in Jesus. Just those thoughts have no place in my mind. It's so powerful as you pray over them, they start to break down in tears. So I, pray, I say that to encourage you to, to begin to pray and pray and pray. Um, I heard it one time, and I don't know, I don't, we won't have any regrets in heaven, but if we do, which we won't, I believe that there may be a regret when we see the power in prayer that we may, man, I wish I would have prayed more. We need to pray more as a church, together, separately. I think it's so important, as Jesus says, when you do, go and close the door. Spend some time with the Lord one-on-one. -on -one. But just pray for the students and, and all that's going on. So, Pastor Blake wanted me to share what the Lord has been speaking in my wife and I's life the past month which it's been crazy. But before we get into that, if, if anything at all, it's a reminder that God is speaking, that he hasn't left his children aside to figure it out on your own. How encouraging is that? Is that you have not, I have not been left alone to figure it out. He is giving us and speaking us his words to guide us, to lead us in the power of his Holy Spirit. In fact, I believe that God is speaking more today than ever before. I believe there are so many ways in which God is speaking. Behind me on the screen is Hebrews 1, 1 through 3, and it says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days, which we're living in, spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You see, God has spoken through the word of life. Jesus didn't come to give a message. He is the message. And it's powerful as we sit in these words and as we take heed and listen to the voice of God. But I understand how frustrating Maybe how concerned or the questions that may arouse when you have difficult times, 
when you go through something and you're, you're questioning is, maybe why isn't the Lord speaking to me right now? God, why don't you give me a clear answer right now? God, would you just tell me yes or no? Would you just shut that door or open that door? I just need to know. The cool thing is God has given us the free will to make those decisions, to have faith in him, but he hasn't left us aside. He has given us his son, who is the message, and he has given us the spirit which indwells us as believers to lead us always to the Father, never away, anywhere other direction, always to the Father. You know, I have conversations with the students all the time as they come up, and whether they're just new believers or, or maybe they're, they're growing in their walk, and so as you grow in your walk, you want to read the Word more, you want to spend more time in God's Word, and so they say, hey, where, where should I read when I give them, you know, James or First John or, or whatever it is, and, and recently we've been going through the First Thessalonians and Second Thessalonians in youth groups, I'm like, read Revelation, dude, uh, get into it. And then so, it, but then it's just like, but then how do I hear God's voice? How do I hear the words of the Lord? And I've mentioned this maybe a few times when I taught before, and I think it's wonderful to hear God's voice, read his words aloud as you listen to the voice of the Lord. But then the students are like, yeah, I know, you do that to me on Sunday nights, but how do I hear the words of the Lord? How do I? And it's not like we can conjure up or, or build some sort of formula to hear the word of God, you know, for different people is different ways, but I just say, listen. Okay, yeah, I'm listening. No, listen to the voice. Listen to the words. Take some time to be still. And high schoolers, no offense, you have no idea how to stay still. You have no idea how to just relax. And I'm the same way, so I can't say anything different. Uh, but we, we, we need to be still and listen and take heed. And it's going to be a big portion of, of my, um, my stories as I just sat still and was asking the Lord to speak. But we hear and we can kind of get um, frustrated or worn out as it seems like you're praying and you're praying and years go by and nothing happens. Nothing happens. You may be going through a study and you read and hear in the Old Testament God intervening himself divinely as he spoke to his creation. Adam and Eve in the garden giving them the instructions. Speaking to Abraham and loading him up with some sweet promises. Wouldn't you love some sweet promises from the Lord this morning and just giving them to you? Man, or Moses getting to hear the Lord through a burning bush. And then our study, as Pastor Blake is bringing you guys through the, the book of Samuel, we saw Samuel as he lies down, God speaking to him, not just once, multiple times. And, and, and Samuel arising and saying, yes, Lord. And we saw that a few weeks ago. Well, I thought it was interesting, and maybe I'm the only one, but how many of you, as it seems like in the middle of the night, you get your best prayer done? If you were to rate your, your most productive prayer, for me personally, it's in the middle of the night when God wakes me up, and it's like, I can't fall asleep, I'll just pray. And I just have the most focus, where it's like I could be at the beach, in the mountains, and I'm praying, I'm like, this is amazing, five seconds later, oh, that, that bird's beautiful, that's a nice wave, that's great, and then just like, what, what just happened? But then in the middle of the night, as he spoke to Samuel, and for maybe you, ask the Lord to wake you up. Some of you are like, I'm just trying to go to sleep. I'm trying to get through the night. Ask him to wake you up. Ask him to give you the strength and just to speak to you and some, spend some of that time with the Lord. Again, in Matthew 6, 6, when Jesus said, you pray, you go into your room, and you shut the door. Shut the door. 
So I want to share my personal story of how the Lord has spoken to me recently and my wife as well. And then we'll get into our text where I have you in Luke 24, 13 through uh, 35. And I'm, I'm titling today's message, Be Ready. Be Ready. And as for most of you know, my wife is from Calif- the great state of California. Great state of California. Uh, and, and when we got married, we met in Bible College in about 2015 at the Calvary Chapel Bible College in Marietta. We then got married in 2018, and at that point, I stole her away and brought her to the East Coast. And from there, we served at a local body uh, down the road, and we were there for about three years. Then years go by, of course. There's this, there's this natural desire for my wife, her family's all out in California, where it was just like, you know, when are we going to go to California? When are we going to move to California? And we would pray about it, and the door would be shut. We kind of counted it up. It was roughly three or four times where we tried to move to California. And even recently, as I was even putting these notes down, the Lord revealed to me that it was at every moment where life became difficult. Ministry became hard. It wasn't enjoyable that I would reach out. Hey, you guys hiring? You guys looking for someone to come out? And it was always the Lord would just shut the door. It was just never the right moment. And so these years would go by, we attempted, but it was always clear that the Lord was just saying, no, not yet. And in the May of 2021, so this is last year, uh, I was sitting in my office, if you don't know, down the hallway, my office is back there. I was preparing for a Sunday night. This had to have been a Wednesday or a Thursday of May of last year. And as I was preparing, I got really convicted because I was like, I haven't had my devotion this morning. And here I am about to prepare a teaching. And so I closed my laptop and I just opened my Bible and I just started reading where I was. And as I was reading where I was, I remember sitting there and just glancing up and just thinking about what I was reading. And I remember the Spirit of God and God just pressed upon my heart, be ready. I remember writing it down, no idea where that is now, writing it down and, and be ready. And so I remember this, you know, I would go home, I told my wife about it, and, and things would go on this past year uh, where we'd be like, is that what the Lord is preparing us for? Is that what he was saying, you know, be ready? And, and it would just be like this unfulfilled promise where it's just like, no, that's not it, that's not it. And we would keep on going down, and then May of this year, we're down at the beach out of all places, and my wife looks to me and says, what would it take to move to California? And at this point, if you don't know, I own a coffee shop, and I'm like, there is no way. There is no way. I have the coffee shop. You know, ministry is doing very well. I love it. I'm loving, you know, the, the transition we're in. We have a lot of older seniors leaving, a lot of newer freshmen and uh, middle schoolers coming up. Uh, so there's like this transitional period. So it's almost like a fresh start in, in the ministry. It's like there's no way. But she said, what would it take to move to California? I said, a miracle. I said, the pastor who is out in California, he would have to offer me, you know, a job, a full-time job, to make that very clear and that evident. And prior, there was no communication. There was no, hey, Lincoln, we're praying about it. There was no idea. I had no idea. I just said, you know, pastor, so-and-so would have to offer me a full-time position. Later that night, we got word that he had been praying about offering me a full-time position, but he didn't know where the coffee shop stood. He didn't know if I would ever let go of it or anything like that. And so a few days go by, my wife and I, first response, we, we just need to pray. Give this to the Lord. So we prayed, handed it to the Lord, and said, Father, your will be done. I emailed him, and I was just like, hey, if this is the Lord's will, the coffee shop can go. 
if he, God wants me out in California, I will go. I will go. And then a week goes by, and, and I remember sitting at a coffee shop. I was drinking some awesome coffee and doing a devotion. And I was in Genesis 24, and I remember reading, and you remember the story where Abraham is sending one of his highest servants to go get a, a wife for Isaac. And as the servant is going, and I see he's, he's praying and, and asking the Lord, you know, and it just happens. And so I was like, Lord, I just started praying specifically, saying, God, if this is your will, may they offer me the position this afternoon. And it's kind of like, okay, let's see what happens. That afternoon, they offered me the position. So I was like, let's go. And so I told my wife, my in-laws, it's exciting time. But then I'm like, the coffee shop. Had no idea. If you don't know, I had a gentleman who was awesome, invest so much into me, and I wanted to be a man of my word. I wanted to stick it out. But I just began, we began to pray. And, and so the evening came where I was going to talk to him. The next morning, he had no idea. And again, Genesis 24, my wife and I, we, we just got our knees and we just prayed specifically. We asked the Lord that he would be excited. He isn't a believer. I said, Lord, would he be excited for us? The next morning, he walks in. I'm like shaking. I'm like, oh, so scared. Uh, and my voice is starting to shake. And I just start talking with him. I share it with him. And the first words out of his mouth, you know, Lincoln, I'm excited for you. I was just like, all right, Lord, we're going. And then it was Pastor Blake. I'm just kidding. No, that was good. That was easy. <laughs> that was fun. No, it was good. He was listening to his piano music in the back in a little bit there. No, he doesn't listen to piano music. Um, he's like, what do you want? I was like, oh, Pastor Blake. <laughs> no, it was a good time. Uh, again, amazing. We have an amazing pastor here. All right. So, but anyways, it was that be ready, Lincoln. The year goes by unfulfilled. And then when they offered me the job in the same way, the Lord pressed upon my heart, it is time. So it was just like, be ready, it is time. And it wasn't like I was doing anything different. And a lot of times it's that you don't do anything different. You just hold on to the promise of the Lord. You continue faithfully and walking with him. You continue seeking him and asking in prayer. And I pr encourage you to pray specifically. Pray accurately upon exactly what is on your hearts. And so I have you to turn to Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 35. I've entitled it, Be Ready. And then it's to hear the voice of the Lord. Because we believe God speaks today. Yes, church? We believe that he's working and that he's moving and he's, he's intertwining in our lives to, to make himself known. And so if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to pray and then we're going to get into it. So Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you even for this short moment of time in which we get to open up your word. Father, would you reveal your truth to us? Would you enlighten our hearts and our ears to hear your voice? And Father, most importantly, may we take heed, may we yield to you, Lord, this morning. Father, again, we're so thankful for the, the result that was in uh, D.C., Lord, that's Roe versus Wade. We praise you for that. We praise you, Lord, that that would continue we know that there is still much more to come. Lord, we pray for all those who are, are making decisions, Lord, that you would instill a fear in them of you, Father, that they would turn to you. That, God, as believers, we would continue to be the light of the world, not allowing darkness to go unnamed, not allowing darkness to reign in our homes, but we cast it out in Jesus' name. Lord, you have the only place in our hearts. You want that only place. May there be no gods before you, Lord. 
In your name we pray. Amen. So Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 35, this is a familiar story. This is one of my favorite post-resurrection stories as, as we will see these, these two men walking to a place called Emmaus from Jerusalem. This is roughly about a seven-mile one-way or maybe a seven-mile two-way. Uh, regardless, it's going to take them about a, a two-hour journey. But I'm going to kind of give you a textual outline this morning as we'll see uh, these sorrowful walk. Then Jesus will take it into a scriptural talk and then a filled heart. I didn't create that. Someone said, and I was like, that's really good. So a sorrowful walk, a scriptural talk, and then a filled heart. And so we'll begin in verse 13 through 16. Read with me. Now behold, two of them were traveling this that same day. This is post-resurrection. To a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed, while they talked and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained from knowing that, oh, excuse me, that their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And so this was Sunday, post-resurrection. The, Jesus has risen. The tomb is empty. Word begins to spread, as we know, as the women went to the tomb and it was empty and the angels met them and spoke, he's not here. And so they go back to the disciples, share the word, spread the word, and they were kind of questioning. And remember, Peter runs up, and he's like dismantled. He doesn't know what's going on. He's like, what, what, what had just happened? What's going on? He's marveling to himself. And so again, we pick up in verse 13 as we'll, we'll read over it, and we'll go over it together. Now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus. And so as they're doing that, these two people walking from Jerusalem to a place called Emmaus is again that two-hour journey. But as they're walking, we'll see about their countenance. We see that their walk is a sorrowful walk. We were even told in Luke chapter 23, verse 49, just maybe a page to your left, is that at the, at the death of Jesus on the cross, it says, but all his acquaintances and the women who followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these Things. What things? The torture that Jesus endured, him carrying his cross, and being laid on the cross and lifted up, the agonizing pain that Jesus endured for our sake. We are told that his acquaintances, the women who followed him, stood at a distance watching these events took place. And maybe you remember when you were maybe 2001, September 11, is that when 9-11 when happened, whether it was on TV, you heard about it, you remember, if you weren't there, we're all at a distance, and we remember just even just your, your, your countenance, you were just in disbelief. And you can imagine that these disciples, these women who had followed Jesus this time period, had been with him, lived with him, worked miracles, and seen all that he has done, now being crucified on a cross. You can imagine their, their countenance falling, even though Jesus said this has to happen. They were watching this event take place in their countenance, and we see and we're told from these two men, verse 15, we'll pick up, as he says, 
So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained. If you have an ESV, it was, it's kept so that they did not know him. I believe that this is, this is divinely happening, that their eyes were restrained, that they were kept back from, from knowing that it was Jesus who was coming alongside of them, walking and talking. We remember when Mary Magdalene, when Jesus uh, came to her, Mary thought she was a gardener. When we see that Thomas, one of the 12, you know, you remember Thomas for being the doubtful one, uh, as Jesus came and presenting himself to Thomas, it was almost in disbelief until Jesus, you show me proof. And it was then the pierced hands and Thomas was like, Lord, I believe. And then you even remember, even again, post-resurrection, some of the disciples, as they're, they're fishing on a boat, whether it be the distance or not, Jesus calls out to him, and then Peter's like, Lord, it is you. And so whether it is this, this, this is physical restraint uh, of the disciples and them recognizing them from the, from the death that he endured, or I believe this is divinely that their eyes are being restrained because in, in, the, in the actual context definition, it's, it's, it's arrested. Their eyes have been arrested. They've been captured. And so we'll see that as, as Jesus is going to enter himself into this conversation and picking up in verse 17, and he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem and have not known the things which have happened in these days? And he said to him, almost humorously, What things? So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, so they know his name, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and their rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him they did not see. So we have this sorrowful walk. We now have a name of one of the gentlemen, Cleopas. The other one is just, you can take your best guess at this point. Some say it's the, the, the brother of Joseph. But it's your best guess. But we know Cleopas is with him. And the response as Jesus comes in and is asking, you know, what kind of conversation? What are you talking about? As he's drawing himself near on the road of Emmaus, walking with them, entering himself into this, this sorrowful talk. And he says, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And you have not known the things which happen in there in these days? And again, Jesus pretty humorously is, what things? What things? And we'll see a little bit why he did that. But this is almost like that TV show, Undercover Boss. You ever seen that movie, the TV show, Undercover Boss? Is, is that Jesus is, is undercover in a sense. He's going in. He wants to reveal the true nature of, of their idea of who Jesus is. And, and then that's what he does. That we'll see is that their, the, the revelation of what Cleopas and the fellow disciple, their, that their countenance is explained from the question of Jesus. We see in verse 21 is, but we were hoping. We had our own idea. We thought, I thought, and they say, besides, today is the third day, and he did tell us that the third day he would rise. Today is the third day. 
You see, they had their own hope of the Messiah was going to be. Yet Jesus is going to show them that their true hope is fulfilled in his death and resurrection. But we note, and this is a little bit more of a practical side, as we see from these two men, is that misguided hope will leave us wandering in thoughts and desires. If your hope is in a line and set on Jesus, then you have a misguided hope. Hebrews 6, 19 through 20, we know this. This is the hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, in which enters the presence behind the veil, where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus, having become high priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. You see, one of the many, and it's good to call them, one of the many benefits of being a follower of Jesus is the hope we have as believers. It's the hope that he gives us, the hope in eternal life that we have, that we know that if tomorrow doesn't come, we, will, we know we will be present with the Lord. And so the hope we do have in Jesus then it instills in us this idea is that no matter what, Lord, I, I, my hope is in you, so you begin to walk sure and steadfast. But yet these disciples, they had a misguided hope. They had an idea and a hope of what the Messiah was going to be. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then precise, they said, man, it's a third day, and yet we don't see him. One of the many benefits of following Jesus is the hope we have in him. Hope for the everyday life we live. Hope that if tomorrow doesn't come, we know we will be with the Lord. I, I, I'm so grateful for the hope and knowing that God is calling me to California. Even though gas prices are six bucks, I know that he will provide. I have this hope and this steadfast and this sureness that he's leading my wife and I there to minister and to love to whoever he puts in our path. And how is that 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 needs to be our everyday countenance, who we are in the Lord? There is this hope that we have that he's instilled in us, that if you're going to the, the highest of the highest and you're just enjoying, that, there's that hope that's still there. Or the lowest valley you've ever encountered, there is that hope that is still there, that is like an anchor to our soul. It's sure and it's steadfast, and his name is Jesus. As we continue on, this, there's this transition, as we'll see, this sorrowful walk into a scriptural talk, verse 25 through 27. Jesus, in these most famous words, says to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And so we have this sorrowful walk. Jesus then enters into this and begins to have a scriptural talk. He begins with them, oh foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. I believe the biggest part of hearing the Lord is believing all of his words. You know, as scripture says, all scripture is given to us. It's all the authority of God. 
You can't have this Dalmatian theology where you choose spots. I like this one in the Bible. I like that one. I'm not really a big fan of that one, so we're going to kind of remove that one a little bit further. As believers, we believe in the whole counsel of God. And so to hear the voice of the Lord, you must believe in all of his words. I believe that is very, very, very important. And so some today, maybe even in this room or, or listening this morning on YouTube or, or weeks past, you are slow of hearts to believe that Jesus is coming back at any moment. Maybe you are slow of heart to believe that, yes, the wages of sin is death. Maybe you are slow of heart in the words of Jesus that if you look upon a man or a woman with lustful intent, you are committing adultery in your heart. Maybe you're slow of heart of believing that when Jesus says, if you have hatred towards your brother and sister, you are, you are murdering them. And these are things as believers, as we look to his word and we hear his voice, we need to be quick to listen, quick to heed the voice of the Lord. Jesus even mentioned this in Matthew 16, verses 1 through 3, about being slow of heart that Jesus is coming at any moment. He's telling these Pharisees and the scribes, when it's evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. Believers, I believe this is so important as, as followers of Jesus. We know prophecy. We must understand and see that the end times that we're living in, these last days, are all pointing to the return of Jesus. We see his rapture that can come at any moment. We then see his second coming after the great tribulation. But as believers, this hope, I believe that it's anchored, it's pointing all in this expectation and this return of Jesus at any moment. And it's going to create, again, that sure and steadfast walk. And it's going to instill in us as believers to want to hear the Lord, to desire to take heed and follow his voice. Maybe you've heard it, and it's true today, especially in Georgia. As you wake up in the morning and you see if the sky is red, you can almost guarantee that there's going to be a thunderstorm. Or at the evening time, if it's a beautiful sunset, you can say it's going to be a clear day tomorrow. There's like a sailor's, sailor's tale about that. Try it out. It's cool. Um, but he continues, and, Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart. Some today who are slow to heart to believe that there is a wage of sin. Don't be ignorant. Don't be foolish to believe that you can get away with your sin even. That Jesus isn't dealing with me now, so I, I, I may be possibly getting away from it. Maybe he's forgotten about it. But rather, the, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift that the Lord has given us through his son Jesus is that eternal life, that hope we have. And so Jesus, after all these things, in verse 27, goes on to have one of the greatest Bible studies of all time. Get to heaven, Jesus. What did you share with those two guys? I want to hear it. I want to know it. Because as you see, in the beginning with Moses, right, the book of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, going through all of that, maybe even beginning with some insight on creation, right, because Jesus is God. He's giving us a little bit of insight and maybe uh, beginning in Genesis 3 or the fall, wherever he's at, and going through Exodus and, and sharing the story of maybe even the Passover lamb with the blood of the doors. 
and going on further on, and he's kind of probably looking at them. He's just you kind of getting it, guys. You understanding? I'm right here in front of you. And he continues on. He goes through the prophets, maybe sharing roughly all 300 about all his life that he fulfilled, and he goes forward. But regardless, we see this sorrowful walk, this scriptural talk, talk and in verse 28, 35, this filled heart. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Verse 30, Now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. In other words, their eyes were open. Is, is the word, it, it's, their eyes, it's now been explained. They see clear. Verse 32, and they said to one another, did our hearts burn within us when he talked with us on the road? And while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, probably a lot quicker, and found the eleven of those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord is risen indeed. And he had appeared to Simon, and they told these, about these things that he had happened on the road, and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. What part about the breaking of bread? Was it, was it the, the scars in his hand? What was it that was revealed to them? But as we see, as Jesus dines and breaks bread with these two, as he does, it's then revealed to them who he is. You see, I believe what God is revealing through life is then confirmed through his word, confirmed through his, his voice as he's speaking and sharing this, this wonderful Bible study with, with these young these men. And, and the, the, as he left, he's like, man, didn't our hearts burn within us as he was speaking? See, Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. As Jesus was teaching, he was expounding upon the scripture. In other words, he was staying close to the text, to the scripture, allowing the word of God to expound upon itself. And I believe this is really kind of the highlight of this message, is as, as followers of Jesus, as you come into a setting like this and you hear someone in a teaching, then the majority of the time it's on your, on your own. The majority of time spent in God's word is in your personal life, in your devotion. And, I, and, I, and for me personally, it's been difficult kind of finding a, a structure of how I want to read God's word. I've done the, you know, Old Testament, Proverbs, Psalm, New Testament, and, and more recently, I don't remember, he had the cowboy hat, I don't remember his name. Um, and he taught, and he just read through the whole Bible. And I was just really encouraged by that. And I just remember the Lord even revealing a press upon my heart as Lincoln, you read, I will reveal. Because we can get so stuck sometimes, like asking, just you go to the commentary, go to this, and just sitting with your Bible, reading the words of God, and allowing themselves to expound upon it themselves. It's wonderful. You will begin to say, oh, that's connecting there. Oh, that's there. And God will begin to do so many crazy things as he is revealing himself through his word. And that's exactly where it brought me back in May of last year as I was just sitting and reading and thinking and chewing on the word of God. He began to speak where I was in a position where I was ready, taking heed to his voice. 
allow the word of God to expound itself to you. Because as he was teaching the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, he was teaching with authority. He was expounding upon the text. He was staying close to the text. And we're told, as he was, their hearts were burning within them. How often do we desire our hearts to burn within ourselves for the word of God? Because as we see this, this post-resurrection, Jesus is like this coming and going place. He's there, he's not. And with them, he broke the bread, they're like, oh, and he vanishes. So I was like, what? That's, what? What's going on? As he vanished, it is as he is almost weaning the disciples, you know, as you have children, you have to wean them off a few things as they are growing up. So they, they've become maybe dependent upon them. And as we see, maybe the disciples have become dependent upon the physical presence of Jesus. And Jesus is now saying, whether I'm here or not with you physically, I'm always with you. I'm always with you through my word, through the spirit in which I have given you. In John chapter 20, verse 20, as he's saying, peace be with you, and he breathes on him his Holy Spirit. And then, uh, as we see in Acts, as he then gives them gives the spirit to have power to then go. It's not our power that we go. It's, it's the word of the authority of God that we therefore go. They had become maybe accustomed to living the day, the day physically with Jesus. But now they are seeing the word of God come alive. And I pray as the spirit is moving in this room that you would see the word of God come alive. That your heart would burn within you with desire to know him more and more and more daily. Because Jesus is coming at any moment. At any moment. We can discern the seasons and the times of, of the weather. We can see as the world is transition, transitioning into this time where, you know, they're, they're calling good, uh, evil good and, and good evil. We see this transition of road versus way, but we also see men is attempting more than ever to continue in darkness and state to state. It isn't going anywhere. It's still yet a victory. As you see, as, as the junior hires and high schoolers, I believe, are deba battling depression and suicidal thoughts more than ever before. Young men are, are, are being encountered with pornography at younger ages before. We see all those things in our society are welcomed. They may be even encouraged. But yet, as followers of Jesus, the hope in which he's instilled in us, we know different. We've had the word of God come alive in our lives. He's given us this hope. He's made himself alive to us. And so I'll, I'll invite the worship team back up as well to conclude. But my desire, my encouragement, is that you and I, that the Lord would then come into our lives now. Remember, pray specifically that even as we enter into these last two songs of worship, and you grab the elements for communion, you go back and you're, you're, being, you're spending that time with the Lord, ask God to enlighten your hearts to his word, to his presence, that he would maybe even instill in you a fear to be quick to obey, that there would be no delay in our walk with the Lord. And may the word of the Lord have ultimate authority. If you haven't caught it yet, the voice of the Lord is his word. The words of God that we have in our hands. We have the voice of the Lord which speaks to us. It's alive and it's inactive. 
Yet I do believe God does speak in various ways. As maybe some of you are familiar with the prophet Amos, spoken to through a fruit basket, a basket of fruit, fruit basket, makes sense, basket of fruit. To me, it was sitting back in my office, and the Lord just instilled and pressed on my heart, be ready. All of you remember when God called you to repentance? When you remember giving your life to the Lord? Continue in that, in, that, in that spirit of allowing him to have the authority and ultimate authority over you. And to those who want to hear the Lord, you must first listen and then take heed to the voice of the Lord. Allow your heart to burn with a desire to hear the voice of the Lord. And so we're going to enter into these last two songs. I always love just sitting down and, and worshiping and being one-on-one with the Lord. I know that maybe some of you guys are seasoned believers. You've been walking with the Lord for 30 years. You've read through the Bible three or four or five times, however many times it is. You have God's heart, his word written on your heart. You have it memorized. But maybe it's become stale to you. Maybe it's become routine to you to have your devotion. I pray that the Lord would again restore to you the joy of your salvation that he would again enlighten your heart to have a deep desire, even a groaning for his word daily. Because as we were told in the beginning, that we have a battle, believers, against the power of the prince of this air, Satan himself. And he knows his time is short. So there's temptation, there's yet trials that we do endure, there's things in which we bring upon ourselves. May we stay close to the scripture, allowing it to expound in our lives, allowing ourselves to be in a position to take heed to the voice of the Lord daily. It's hard. It's difficult. It's hard for junior highs and high schoolers to grasp that thought that, and I go to school to read. You want me to read before I even go to read to school? But there's that, there's that excitement I have that I desire for all to have as you follow the Lord, as you open up his word, and you begin to read, and he begins to reveal, and you begin to see all that he's done for you, and he wants for you. So Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for just even this morning as we're reminded that you do speak. And Lord, I believe you speak often. Father, as believers, I pray that myself included, that I would take heed to your voice, yielding to you, Lord. Father, I pray that there would be instilled in us all this morning a, a desire for your word. And even more, Lord, let your word have ultimate authority over us. All that we do, all that we say, there's never a justification for sin. And you reveal that to our hearts. May your presence be felt this morning. May your presence be felt in the car when we go home, the day-to-day -day life that we all have through the Monday through Saturday. That you are with us. You draw near to us. And you are speaking to us, Father. May we be quick to listen and quick to obey your voice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.